Greetings program. Hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie by minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 94. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and returning with me today is my intuitive, imaginative, and creative guest co-host, Tyler Nickel. Welcome, Tyler. Hello. Greetings, programs. I assume nothing big has happened since a large door was introduced. I, I, I might have zoned out for a little bit. We're good? How's oh, everything yeah. going? Everything's going great, both uh, both in the movie and uh, out here in reality. Yes. Everything's just going wonderfully. The time frame of me being on the first episode of this to me being on the last episodes of this has not had any giant world-changing <laughs> ramifications. Nope, not at, not at all. That's the fun yeah. part. It's interesting because this is probably going to air in September, so I'm kind of wondering Well, what then this is. Uh, memories. We're memories. Where fine. where will we be when this airs? Oof. We'll see. So how have you uh, have you been since we last met? Ah, uh, you know, uh, it's been interesting. Um, been keeping busy. Um, still uh, still writing nerd stuff. Uh, I've mm. had my very own Transformer come out, which is neat. Awesome! That's right. So if any of you uh, want to play Transformers Forge to Fight on your mobile devices, uh, check out Necrotronus because that's my sweet sweet evil baby boy. It's so cool, mm-hmm. so cool. He's like a Hellraiser, uh, Hellraiser Transformer. I love him. I yeah, love him. Uh, he is a I Cenobite of Transformers. He is great. Yeah, <laughs> so cool. So let's see. Let's go over what happens in minute ninety four. Yes, here. please recap. More credits. Woo. There you go. That's uh, that's what happens. <laughs> now uh, I have been told by some people in the movie by minutes community that going through the credits is a rookie mistake. And uh, I can sort of see why. It's interesting to talk about all this stuff and all these names, but the searches do tend to lead to a lot of dead ends. All right. Well, let's see. This this person worked on Tron and one other film, (laughs) or this person has no ID picture and might or might not be alive. I don't know. You know, and then, or else they've just got like, uh, or they've got like 200 credits that you're like, oh, this is sure is a lot. Of uh, stuff, so well, we can talk about the ones that pop out or yeah, the special please. ones. Yeah, uh, Do that. I'm I'm gonna admit uh, things have been hectic on my end, and I might not have researched a single one of these names. <laughs> well, that's all right. But that's I I'm gonna be here as the voice of the audience to be amazed and astounded uh, by anything you bring to the table. Excellent. <laughs> so I'm well, just gonna leave all of the heavy lifting entirely in your hands. Outstanding. Well, we could talk. I mean, on uh, we're gonna do like three minutes together. So on the last minute, we can go more general and talk about like what this movie meant mm-hmm. and what it continues to mean. Oh no, I'm down for that. Uh, also, I did get a VR headset in between our other recordings, and I have a lot to oh, talk about about entering the grid. It is uh, nice. It has been something. So we'll pepper that through. Uh, don't awesome. worry. Cool. All right. Okay. So uh, in this minute, we get this absolute banger church organ version of the tron theme mm-hmm. winding down and then it uh it, it switches over into the journey song only solutions and man the inclusion of journey in this soundtrack really seems to have ruffled a lot of feathers for all concerned wow. like carlos carlos especially was like this is gonna date this is gonna date terribly like in a few short years after the release of this film it's gonna sound like 80s music and you know this is some '80s journey. It's not. It's not the timeless stuff that like, that she created, but you know, Journey's created some amazing songs. So, but Fremer, the Michael Fremer, there, he wasn't a huge fan. Uh, the music, uh, the music guy, but it was the music director. But it was really it was handed down from on high and forced into the film. Well, you need to sell, it was sell like, a soundtrack. You need to sell a soundtrack, and like you get 
spoonful of sugar and who's afraid of the big bad wolf and like all these disney movies have always had a disney song you've got it that's like the other half of the prophets or whatever and so they really felt like they wanted to shoehorn that into this into this film and everybody in the production was like hard pass <laughs> and the, the bosses were like uh uh-uh, not this time it's going it's happening and uh so it's kind of it's too bad. I feel bad for Journey as well because they're they're scoring this hope high profile release and everybody in the production is like, "No, I don't like you." <laughs> so to to be fair, I, they they did get once, you know, the next Tron comes along, we get a banger Journey track in that one. Yeah, we get the what was the what's the name of that track? Separate ways. Fires up. Yeah, Separate Ways when they when they fire up uh Flynn's Arcade. Yeah, and and that, there, that's that's an there emotional punch of some Journey in there. That's Bam. fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. So you know, it wasn't like an awful choice. It was just, I think everything just kind of fell apart. Like, I don't know if Journey was protected from them objecting to it or, yeah, well, or I mean, sometimes heard about it. Yeah, there's a lot of cases where, like, you've sold a song to someone who does soundtracks and they're like, hey, listen, this is going to end up in a movie somewhere and you got your money and we get to decide from there. So, yeah, right. Maybe. Right. So I don't know. I don't know if because the music that they provided is kind of like some pretty middle of the road journey and i don't know if that's because they didn't have their heart in it or if you know you 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 write a lot of music and a few are hits and maybe the hits are just as surprising to you as you know or like uh or you got to fight for your right to party it was like by the beastie boys that was like no we're making fun of you yeah do not use this as your anthem this This is is, well this is ironic american woman yeah like any movie that has a woman come out all patriotic to like American woman and be like, I don't, I don't think you listen to the lyrics. Not <laughs> sure. You listen to the lyrics there, you know, or the famous born in the USA or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, Nope, you, you don't listen to the lyrics, but like, I get that the studio wanted a hit song to go along with the film and journey is very popular and some, some incredible songs, but I don't know. Does journey go with a, a high concept computer themed Disney adventure movie? Like, I don't know. These days, so, if I was gonna if I was gonna do it, I would say we need at least one journey track in there. Yeah, yeah, at least one journey. If track. we were trying to make something that looked like the '80s, then you're gonna be like, oh, just toss some journey in there, you're good to go. Yeah, for sure. And like, uh, like the other song, 1990s theme, was sounds like a jam session guitar solo with a fade out. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, I don't know. It's it's it is it is what it is. Oh, what was that? Uh, oh, I forget. All right, it went. It was there and it was gone. For the storyboards here, we get Bill Croyer, Jerry Reese, John Norton, and Andy Gaskill. Now, Bill Croyer got nominated for an Oscar in 1988 for his short animated film, Technological Threat, which is worth checking out. It's on YouTube, mm-hmm. and it's it features one of the first blendings of a 2D and a 3D animated character in one film. Oh, that's uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's like a bunch of cartoon foxes working in an office, and then someone... Uh, a robot comes in and it's like a, a sphere and a cube and a pyramid with eyes. That's then pretty great. It, it so can, can write. We can thank that technology for giving me one of my favorite scenes from uh, The Great Mouse Detective then. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, which, is, which scene is that? Uh, well, I think that, was, I think that was the first Disney scene to have 2D and 3D animation. And that's in the, uh, in the clock tower for Big Ben. Right. Um, then that's, that's right. Uh, Radigan chasing after... Uh, them and yeah the big turn in clock wheels that you would not have been able to do traditionally in 2d and have it be a sustainable image so yeah yeah it would have been pretty a little ropey if you tried all that i did like seeing the the uh you know a lot of the art credits come up in this one before we even see any real actor names after the uh bump there too which is nice yeah in this one for sure because this movie is 
made by the artist. <laughs> like yeah. actors were also there, but this is an artist yeah. movie. Um, yeah, that's actually a thing I've noticed a lot. And, and now that we're on the storyboard artist here, not to derail yeah. too much here, um, but like I love storyboard art. And I think yeah. that's really where a movie comes together. And if you ever do mm-hmm. get the opportunity for your favorite films to look up some of the storyboards, it's incredible yeah. to see yeah. of like that's where the vision of the film really starts becoming a movie. Like as a writer, you want to say that like, hey, the word that's sacrosanct, and that's where we we're like, no, nah, once it hits storyboard, then it's becoming a movie. Yeah, true, true, true. Right. <laughs> uh, let's see, what is it? Yeah, Bill Croyer. He also he worked on the Fox and the Hound mm-hmm. and Animal Olympics before Tron, and he went on to be involved with Auto Man, awesomely. Uh, Fern Gully, Narnia, Nightmare on Elm Street, and a bunch of others. He's got he's also got like a wide variety of credits, like art department, animation department, visual effects, writer, director, producer. So he's like he's heavily involved in a bunch of different uh, a bunch of different things. Uh, next up, we got Jerry Reese who was a young animator at the time and had worked with Lisberger after leaving Disney only to come back to Disney for Tron. That's a classic Disney story. (laughs) Classic Disney story. He'd taken some programming courses. So uh, this blend of animation and computers was right up his alley. And he was like, he's all about the new. He wasn't uh, uh, all about the traditional. He was like, yeah, bring it on. Let's, let's, uh, let's do this. He's gone on to direct a record-setting 15 multimedia Disney theme park attractions. Oh, nice. In, like, Florida, Paris, Anaheim, so and on the Disney. He's got uh, full Imagineer. Lines. Full Imagineer, yeah. He was involved with the Brave Little Toaster, Space Jam, Aladdin, tons of stuff. And also lots of different media, like uh, in-theater illusions, mm. uh, interactive media, show scan. Seems like a really interesting person. This yeah. guy's, like... That's such a specific skill set, too, of being able to storytell with a screen and a live event and kind of things. It's like when you can control the environment like that, you're getting into some full, like, Richard Castle-level stunts and spectaculars. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Next is John Norton, who worked on Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2 as a story artist, as well as Hotel Transylvania and uh, Goofy Movie and Rescue Rescue Rangers and a bunch of other long career. And uh, Andy Gaskell who went on to be the art director for a little indie hit called The Lion King. Never and, heard of it. Uh, <laughs> Hercules and Treasure Planet, among uh, among others. He's another one with a whole bunch of credits from like director to writer to production designer to animator. Now, one of the reasons that the storyboards are so worth a mention is that they were unique in terms of filming because they had to, in order to communicate with the computer guys, mm. they had to make storyboards that were not just what the camera sees but also top bottom left and right views right so that the animators in the computer companies knew exactly what they were doing so that's like a that's like a first of their kind kind of um kind of storyboards that they had in this movie so that was that sounds like really early days animatics which is what they do a lot of times now for it yeah for sure right uh and then we get some draftsmen some camera operators Assistant camera operators, prop masters, key grips, second grips, and the best boy, Bertie Bayless. Oh, you need that best boy in there. But Bertie Bayless, the best boy, that's the the alliteration king right there. Best boy, Bertie Bayless. That does sound like he should be, like, uh, helping out Superman on adventures. (laughs) Yeah, right? Sure, yeah. Uh, Then we get the visual effects unit with concepts by Lisberger and supervised by Richard Taylor and Harrison Ellenshaw. Now, we talked about Harrison in the previous minutes but richard taylor aka richard win taylor the second this guy's wild like i remember talking about him a little bit earlier but it's worth repeating that he was a merchant marine 
who got a master's in printmaking and photography before founding the company Rainbow Jam that designed the psychedelic light shows for the Grateful Dead concerts. And he was the guy that came up with the candy apple neon look that was so integral to Tron. Like late in the in the late seventies, there was all this like really glowing neon and the and the trippy visuals and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was what they wanted to bring to uh, to this. He was um and he was also uh, at Robert Abel and Associates, which did the the intros and outros. And so he was a key player in the look of this film. Uh, we get a host of scene coordinators here, and no doubt because of the logistics of all of these blown-up frames of film and their attendant layers was, I mean, that's just I just can't even imagine what that was about. And we get a lot of background inkers and the like, but when we get to the effects animation, uh, we get John Van Vliet and John Norton at the top of the list. This whole crew kept getting like laughs and frustration out of their hand animated sequences being <laughs> touted as computer animation by the general media and population when this film was first publicized and talked about. And I can only imagine they're like, I drew that. I'm not a machine. I'm not a machine. We get some rotoscope folks here and international cell coordinators. I think that's... Uh, I want to say, uh, bless the dark, horrifying hearts of any human being capable of doing full-time rotoscoping. Word. I've tried to do it a little bit, and I don't, I don't know how you do There's so many frames a second, Duncan. Yeah. You got to yeah. do every single one of them, and you got to look great. And it's it's a lot of very fiddly, very minute work, and it's, it's uh, easy to do wrong. And it's yep. hard to do right. So if you're a rotoscoper, I love you. And you it's do find the very, work. very definition of like uh, not seeing the forest for the trees because like, you're working on 30 or 60 frames a second or whatever your project is. And like, that's a lot of drawings. Mm -hmm. And you can do something where they'll, uh, you know, they'll morph over time, you know, mm -hmm. or they'll look jittery unless you get it exact. It has to become like a meditative art. Yeah, no, it's it's a very fascinating part of filmmaking, and I've watched people do it, and I've tried to do a little of it, and immediately given up. And I'm like, nope, no, 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 no. There are better people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really hard, and it's also like a lot of effort for something that might turn out ropey. Yep. Like if you if you spend that's the one thing about animation I think is if you spend eight weeks or you know a year working on something and it turns out to be so so you're like wow what a colossal waste of time that was you know <laughs> but so but to do it well is uh you just get this whole new appreciation of it like what was that guy that did an entire movie by himself animated a whole movie by himself mm. it's called uh space seed i think or something okay. like that uh it's like a little a little cartoon and it's it's great like it's great considering that it one one right did it. well i was even i was watching some behind the scenes stuff on uh who framed roger rabbit which i wanted to also bring up just later of just like integration of animation and live action and whatnot they nailed it for sure they nailed early it on one of the best but it was um it was bob hoskins talking about having to redo a take because he was choking roger with a more open fist and they were literally mm -hmm. like please consider our rotoscopers Always choke him with a fist. Always keep the fingers together. <laughs> Think yeah, of our poor yeah. rotoscopers. Think of them, please, please. <laughs> and yeah, I stuff like that. Where like even on set, you have to be mindful of like, listen, guys, someone's got to trace this. So if we could not like open finger wave our hands a lot, that would stop someone from having the worst month of their life. <laughs> 
it wasn't space seed that's like the that's like the star trek episode where they find Khan, right mm. i do remember i i stuff about uh, the thief and the cobbler being some sort of horrifying uh labor of love that took like 10 years i only know that one because vincent price is in it the great mouse detective that got a lot of the disney animators a little angry because mm, of the 3d animation no because of the <clears> title <throat> The title, the title was originally something else, mm. and then Disney was like, "That's going to confuse people. We're going to have to call it the Great Mouse Detective." And they're like, "But that's, but that's just what the film is." <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, it'll help people understand." And so there was this huge list of names that they'd put out where they changed Snow White to like uh, a poor girl gets wish. <laughs> or something like that like they ch- they changed all the uh all the lists of uh all the old it is a ones. very simplified one but it is also one closest to my heart so i uh yeah great I, film great I, film i have zero complaints about any part of the great mouse detective for um, sure great as film. long as we're still t- it's still disney it's still on soft topics there's integration of 3d animation and classical animation it's yeah. uh it's 100 percent there yeah there you go <laughs> uh like i don't know do you that kind of brings us up to the end of this minute i don't want to talk for too long about the gestalt of the movie or <laughs> our journey as a podcaster or whatever until the last minute so do you want to just uh go on over to minute 95 i mean yeah again like and going through the credits like you know like obviously these are not going to be the most exciting minutes of the minute by minute for this mm-hmm. but uh as someone who's worked in in as many levels of film as humanly possible uh, it is always interesting to go through some credits and see how many humans worked on your favorite things and what else they yeah. have. Because you like like bring this stuff up. Like you you never know who like oh man that guy touched like twenty different amazing parts of my childhood and I didn't even know that he was working <laughs> yeah. hard behind the scenes the whole time. So like with all the actors, uh, like the 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 sort of the 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 smaller the actors playing the smaller roles as the other support guards and lieutenant and uh, mm-hmm. you know the stunt people and stuff. They were like in hundreds of stuff that I've seen. You know, I'm like, what? Oh, oh, they were in that. You know, and then yeah, these people behind. It takes so many people to make a movie. So, so yeah, yeah. so I will I will say yeah, you know, these these are going to be some shorter, uh, kind of more floaty minutes. But I I am very happy that we're going through it. And uh, awesome. thank you for doing the heavy lifting of some research on here so I can learn things and then yeah. spout out about nonsense because that's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, and maybe in the next minute, tell you what, I'll talk a little bit about uh, how VR feels because it is giving me a whole new appreciation for Tron. <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. It's a little preview there. <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right. Well, that takes us to the end of this minute. Um do you want to tell people where they can find you if they want to hear more of you? Or do you want to oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're looking for more of me, you can find me at DorkZombie, D-O-R-K-Z-O-M-B-I-E, on Instagram. Or I'm now on the TikTok, because you got to fill the days somehow. Uh, and I'm Mr. Nickel on TikTok, M-I-S-T-E-R-N-I-C-K-E-L on TikTok. Nice. Uh, at, at the time of this recording, I have more likes and followers than I thought I should. And it's a fascinating... <sighs> fascinating way to lip sync over other people's comedy content (laughs) wonderful uh as you know by now if you want to get in touch with us check out more at tronologically speaking both on twitter uh, or on gmail and uh or join us on facebook at the tronologically speaking minute by minute listeners page and uh go on over to moviesbyminutes.com and check out to see if your favorite movies are there because there there's a long list 157 now and um, growing and growing so check it out. Do you want to try a little uh, end of line? I on would three? love nothing more. Okay, one, two, three. 
End, End of, of line. line. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it.